Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet, a betting site with a difference. Not only are we offering the best available odds on a United win, we've also got exclusive special bets created by Reds. And as we share half our net profits with the United supporters community, no matter what, the fans can always end up winning. Check out our website, redarmybet.com, or download the app, Red Army Bet. About fans, by fans, for fans. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I've just walked off the train. In Valencia train station. I'm not recording. I'm fucking stand in the sunshine. There's quite a few Manchester United fans on the train, and the person behind me is is Graham Hunter, esteemed journalist, friend of United We Stand, and main man at the big interview, which is a series of long interviews Graham does in podcast format. Long being a euphemism for interesting. Yeah, they are interesting though. You, You had the. Funniest um, David Moyes story that I've heard. He's off talking to someone now because that, that's what he does. The funniest David Moyes story I ever heard was on your podcast when he travelled by car to the 1990 World Cup with his mate Fat Paul. Fat Peter Martin. <laughs> right, Fat Pete. I just saw a humour in Moyes that didn't see enough of it at Manchester United. Is that the only thing that you thought was missing? I like, I like, I think he's a, a nice guy <laughs> and maybe some of the football results were... Uh, Nowhere near. No, he doesn't look as bad in context. And I can remember travelling back from San Sebastian with you in 2013 under Moyes, and you know David very well. And he was saying to you, "This club needs a lot of work doing. There's loads of things going that was on." After in the, the nil-nil draw, wasn't it? Yeah, and that wasn't penalty really... miss, I think, as well, wasn't it? Uh, I can't remember a penalty miss. I can remember I, a nil-nil draw. I have a draw. feeling that Van Persie missed a penalty. I can remember the weather. <laughs> Funny how your brain works, isn't it? I can remember what I had for dinner that day, but I cannot remember. A I think if you're from Manchester, you're always attentive to the weather, aren't you? So, what do you make of this Valencia team and, and Manchester United as well? After a fucking riddle, man, you know very well yourself. In that, uh, listen, I was thinking about this the other day about whether I could express it as it's one of the weirdest things I've seen in my career, and maybe it isn't quite, but it, it, like Valencia shouldn't be performing like this. It was so exciting to watch them last season. And what everybody, again, you'll know this, that knows Marcelino says that he's one of these guys who who burn his players out because he's so intense, so unyielding, so much of it's about running. Yet, if that was going to come true, the ticking time bomb should really have been in maybe a year or 18 months' time. He was a personal sort of go-get guy for Valencia, for Condogbia, for Neto. The the guy who's in charge at at Valencia... um, He's in charge of the sports direction, Matteo Armani. Picked Marcelino and dumped Setien. Setien, the better coach, was almost here, was looking at schools, was told to fuck off. Marcelino brought in. Marcelino's allowed, which coaches aren't always allowed here, to go and get the players. He puts together a squad that doesn't just play good football and take them out in the Champions League and begin to start to help looking at their debt problems. They were really good to watch. Every one of the players he brought in hit a level above what they were expected to. And then suddenly... The fucking world falls out of the bottom. Condogbia being the best? Condogbia being at or around the best, but for a spell, Geddes would have been the outright best because there were things he did that made you think he's he's beyond exceptional. He's one of the most exciting young players in any position around Europe. And then he got burned out in the summer. He's carrying injuries. He's niggling between him and Marcino on the side. You know, he's like waiting for fucking halftime so he can change sides so Marcino gets his... his harsh tongue out of his ear saying, get your fucking finger out, lad. 
Uh, Condobia, exceptional and scored in his, I think, his debut. Uh, I mean, he missed the first game last season, scored at uh, Madrid. Really, really elegant, clever, ball-winning footballer. Neto would rank up there last season and this season too as one of the really, really successful signings. And they, you know, that Valencia Real Madrid game at the start of last season was when I first heard of Neto. One of the best games of football I've ever seen. And he played out the skin. He made saves that you wouldn't believe. Madrid should have won by about three goals. It ended up two-two. Parejo got his goal. Like for example, a little, a little microcosm of what's going on now is that Parejo can play slow. He might be like the occasional night at a disco when he sings songs to abuse an ex-manager. Yeah, all of those things, which you know in Scotland I was growing up weren't crimes either. But he, he, there was a spell of games where he nearly got himself sent off. He then got himself sent off the next week. On the day I was here um, for the Juventus game, Ronaldo gets sent off for whatever, like, deserved or not, it doesn't really matter. It's nil-nil, they're approaching half-time, and Pareko tries to kick an ex-teammate in the face because he's forgotten that he's quick and gives away a penalty, misses a penalty at the, at the other end later on in the game, and you're like, this is your captain, this is your playmaker, this is your important guy, and he spent a, a series of about four weeks we did something infantile or stupid every fucking week. Pareko was Gary Neville's captain. Gary chose not to play him. Yeah, he's um, mm, flimsy in character sometimes, but if you, you Gary him? was on the podcast now, he wouldn't contest that he can play. And the really weird thing is having a help to spiral downwards this season with his behaviour and his form. Subsequently, when he's woken himself up, he's been just about their best player and he's a danger to United tonight because he uses the ball really well. Captain? I fuck off. Would you like him in a trench with you? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that way sexually inclined, Andy. I've told you about your trench fantasies again and again and again. <laughs> Andreas Pereira was here last year. I think the last time I came down yeah. here was to interview him. He had a good season. He wasn't yeah. Guedes level. No. But, and he started this it was season. Massive misfortune for him. Yeah. That they had Guedes and Soler yeah. and, and a local boy coming through, a fantastic signing coming through. And Andreas had moments when he looked good. And patently before that at Granada, wasn't it? Yeah. You saw more then because you got more game time. I did well pre-season this year for Manchester United, yeah. but after the Brighton game, it's just not happening for him at all, which is a shame. There are, the, there are other things going on at the club with the constant finger-pointing, dearth of character, dearth of performance, a manager who's, who's on some sort of... I mean... I used to, when I was growing up, I used to watch Hammer House of Horror. And Peter Cushing was this mad, crusading, everybody's wrong but me character. And I don't know if the people who signed Jose Mourinho used to watch Hammer House of Horror too. So a, a young, developing, wide man who needs confidence and a good team around him um, might have chosen a different setup for another season, given what's happening at your club at the moment. It's not a productive atmosphere for a guy like him to... Flourish, I don't think. Uh, I wrote an article this morning where I suggested that should Jose Mourinho move on, then Manchester is United. That is a sentence with the words in the wrong order. <laughs> well, should he's going to move on. If Jose Mourinho should move on. Um, I don't think he'll be moving on during the season. Well, I think he's got to get in the Champions League. I think that's been the. When David Moyes didn't and, and Lou Van Hal didn't, that's when they lost their jobs. And I think if Jose Mourinho doesn't get in this season, I'd be surprised if he was... Are you uh, aware that George Mendes has decreed that he's staying and everybody's happy? Oh, I believe every George Mendes has decreed that United we stand are happy with Mourinho. Yeah, absolutely. He said it on the record, so 
Let's not be caught arguing with them, shall we? So if Jose Mourinho was to move on to manage Real Madrid <laughs> or to decide that living at the Lowry is not for him and Manchester United, maybe in five or ten or twenty years, might need to appoint a new manager, uh, I suggested that a good candidate would be um, Joseph Guardiola because he's already living in Manchester, he's settled in Manchester... We have a mutual contact who used to play for both Barcelona and Manchester United who will confirm... I'm meeting him tomorrow. Not necessarily with a tape recorder on about exactly how sure Guardiola was at a certain stage in Bayern Munich that he'd be the Manchester United manager and how exactly disappointed he was with Ed Woodward that not sufficient effort was made to sign him. Right. Mistakes happen in life. Manchester City didn't sign Guardiola the player. You go back to him, you say, move to a bigger club. Can you restore Manchester United to greatness? Bring Brian Kidd back. Well, you're selling this idea to me. Selling it to myself, aren't I? Do you know this came out of a conversation with Brian McClare? He's like, we should be going (laughs) for Pep Guardiola. But all right, listen, listen, you know how we stand as characterised and you're characterised by by not necessarily... uh, dwelling unnecessarily in the past and I'd suggest that it's rather unlikely that Pep Guardiola crosses the city now so how are you going to continue with that little bit of editorial that you were on I'm going to say that you've got rid of Mourinho have you got the balls Guardiola just like he said to Laporta you've not got the balls to appoint me you've got the balls to take the United job I think if you're if you're no no I disagree with you now in that one any new manager you're appointing you know you know so United we stand is now on the on the appointment committee the first thing you would do, because you've got common sense, is you would look at the environment into which you're introducing a new coach. And I'm sorry because I'm sure he listens to this, but it's my absolutely crystal clear opinion that Ed Woodward is a talented man in the wrong job for the football development of the club. I'm sure he's doing the right job in terms of making the club money and making the club commercial and pleasing his owners and working upwards, but he's not the right man for the, the job that needs done at Manchester United. And before you appoint a new coach... That's a Pez, isn't it? I'm just looking out there. Is it, was, didn't he, was he in Happy Mondays, Pez? Bez. Um, yeah, there you go. Pez. Thank you. Oh, just a little line. Just a little line, Andy. You've done me that. So there, the, yeah. <laughs> oh, jokey. Um, the, the truth of it is, if, you, if you've got really good grain, really good grain, and you want a marvellous harvest, you look at the soil. The soil's not right. So before you say to me, Right, one, the second point I want to make is that if, you're, if you still consider Manchester United to be the bigger club, the bigger club doesn't go and pick up its mistakes by trying to wrench an extraordinarily talented manager away from their city rivals. I don't think that's the right approach. I think you correct what's wrong at the football direction level and then you make your own Guardiola-esque appointment. And I think both of those things are feasible if the right people want them strongly enough. Which people would you see as potential future Manchester United managers? To, to my mind, if you want that to be an, an, an honest, accurate answer, it's currently impossible until you're clear what kind of situation they'll be given. Will they be given a task that says, we actively want uh, Greenwood and Chong and whatever to be promoted and given time and ushered through and... Or is it, a, is it a society where you, you, your current fixation with turnover and profit is going to dominate? You know, you're turning into Arsenal. And I got so annoyed with the way in which 
Wenger allowed this creation of top four as a win. And it's, it's, throughout our working lives, it's been impossible to imagine a Manchester United where not only that cl climate can flourish, but having seen it happen at Arsenal, mocked Arsenal, taken to the cleaners, it's now happening at Old Trafford. Uh, to me, it's absolutely fucking remarkable. What about getting Fergie back, the old Ma Aberdeen manager? Uh, well, listen, um, I'm, I'm sure he'd take it if you could. If there was a time machine that could strip even six or seven years off his imagine actual age. That. Imagine that. Well, listen, neither you nor I have to imagine it because we both lived through it and he transformed uh, our lives. He did. And even the other day, I was sitting next to people who were telling me the most extraordinary stories about him and his generosity that I'd never heard before and how he changes people's lives individually too. But you need somebody with, you know, he, he didn't come into a vacuum. Now, back to my point, he came into a place where not, it's, it's infamous that he had a degree of support from Edwards, he had a, a strong degree of support from Charlton and Matt Busby's quiet, calmer words helped her. But the rest of the climate, the canvas was his to paint. All right, it took a long time to get it right. It took a force of personality to get it right. And it took Edwards and Charlton and Busby saying, more time, more time. But that's not what you've got now. So a young Ferguson probably wouldn't be picked now by your owners or by Edward. I don't think. And once he came in, results in respect of his manner, his style of doing things, his urgency for change wouldn't be tolerated. You so know. go back to my point about gra grain and, and soil. If the soil's fucking acid, then don't put good grain in it. You don't see Jose Mourinho as a fit for Manchester United? He never was, no. Not, not, not the current Jose Mourinho. If, this was, if the Jose Mourinho of 2002, 3, 4, 5 was brought to Manchester United, then without question, you'd probably winning the title, be winning the title. You'd probably winning the bigger European trophy. He's changed dramatically as a person, the way he acts, the way he's bred success has changed him. Um, his hunger has changed and diminished. He goes down blind alleys. The brand of football doesn't fit with... The brand of football that you saw with um, Drogba and Robin and Damien Duff would fit perfectly, would fit ab absolutely adequately. But it's not the same. And it, it, that's why the appointment, to, to my mind, never looked right. And, and that's not to strip away credit for, what did he win? An FA Cup, real excitingly. Europa League, very cleverly. These are League trophies. Cup, Europa League, they're, Community they're, Shield. They're yeah. wins. Yeah. They're, they're wins, fine, great. But a fit, and a fit, and proper way to move forward. No, I, I don't think so. And, and right now, never mind the, the, the fourth is good culture. The, the sterile nature of football, the sterile atmosphere at Old Trafford. For a neutral who wants to have enjoyment whenever he looks at a footballing team, a footballing club, wherever it is around the world, <laughs> wants to occasionally go. To me, it's bewildering that that, that climate's being allowed to, to be created there. And I admire those who pay their money and go and follow United who are loyal to Jose Mourinho. You know, I admire that attitude, but it's, it's, it's not something I, I fully understand. Thank you for your time, Graham. Tell us how we get your big interview podcast. You can follow you on Twitter at Bumper Graham. No, it's this little magical thing. It's like, it's what do you do? Like, <laughs> no, you close your eyes, you touch your nose, give a little whistle, and it'll be there for you. Thank you. <laughs> Valencia to Manchester United. One, I'm just in the mix zone waiting for the players to come through. And I've uh, spoken to a couple of Valencian journalists, and one of them has agreed to talk in English. What's your name and where are you from? 
Hi, I'm Roberto Ferriol. I'm journalist from Valencia. I work in Radio Sport Valencia and in Desmarque, is a digital web. Uh, I think that it was a very good match for for Valencia. That probably is the the best match this season for the Marcelino guys. But I think that uh, the problem not uh, is the, the match against the Manchester in Old Trafford. The, the, the problem is not uh, the match uh, in Turin. The problem uh, for Valencia was the match in Switzerland uh, against the uh, Young Boys. Because uh, if you cannot uh, beat uh, Young Boys, you can't uh, play against Manchester or against Juventus de Turin in this group. So Valencia, uh, I think that... It's not the, the real level for, for Valencia this, this season because in uh, La Liga Santander uh, we have uh, four points uh, to relegation at uh, second division. But uh, for Valencia, for Marcelino, it's not this week uh, the match against Manchester. The important is uh, Saturday against Eibar. And uh, this is uh, the Valencia season. No? This is the resume of the Valencia season. It's not the, the match against the Manchester United. Important is uh, Saturday against Eibar. So there's no, no more Valencia in, in Liga de Campeones. You think uh, Valencia is fighting relegation? No, I, I don't think so. But uh, now it's the, the, the situation. No? Valencia is four points uh, up to the relegation. It's uh, eight to Champions League so I think that eight points uh, there are two matches no? three matches uh, not, not a, but uh, now Valencia is 15 in, in Liga Santander so why? you have great players what is going wrong? I watched you many times last year you yeah. were fantastic you finished fourth I don't know because uh, we have uh, better players than the last uh, season and the last season Valencia uh, could be uh, finished the, the Liga Santander in second position uh, but uh, I don't know I don't know if it's the Marcelino if it's the, the players but I think it's not physical it's more mental than, than physical Valencia have problems to, to be a team you know? it's a very good player but there's not a team this sounds like Manchester United yeah. uh, what did you think of Manchester United? No, I think that Manchester United is a very good team. No? We have, uh, Manchester has uh, players like Pogba. That is not uh, the good Pogba now, but uh, Pogba is one of the best players in the, in the world. So you have Pogba, you have uh, Eric Bailey. No? It's an uh, injury, but, but Eric Bailey, for me, is one of the best defenders in, in Europe. So Manchester United, I think that, that they have uh, good players. Mourinho is uh, one of the best uh, trainers uh, in Europe. Uh, probably uh, five years ago uh, Mourinho was uh, better than now but I think that with Mourinho and these uh, players uh, Manchester United can fight uh, with, uh, against uh, all of the teams in, in Europe Really? You think yeah, yeah, United I think so. could yeah, win yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, really? yeah, I think, why not? Yeah, because um, I think they're a lot better than Manchester United but that's just, just my opinion um, and these very good players are not playing well. Yeah, but it's, it's not just the, the players, no? it's uh, as well the, the, the team, the club. No? Manchester United is. Uh, and Real Madrid, maybe, no? the, the yeah. two best uh, teams in the world and the history of the, the football. So, you know, when, when you put the, the t shirt of Manchester United, it's not the same as another team. What do you think of Juan Mata here? Oh, Juan Mata was uh, one of the best players in, in Valencia. Uh, years ago with David Villa, with uh, David Silva, no? the, the best Valencia, one of the best Valencia in the history. Uh, Juan Mata was uh, one of the, the best players. I think that he's uh, like a Valencian. No? He's 
not what he's from Asturias, but uh, I think that is like a, a Valencia. He grow up like a player here. He, Valencia picked him from Real Madrid, the school of Real Madrid. And uh, I think that that Mata is like a, like a Valencia, like a, a player that grow up in Paterna and, and here in, in Valencia. What are the opinions of, of Gary Neville, who worked here, and Philip Neville? He really enjoyed his time here. Yeah, yeah, I think, but but I, I think that the decision to put uh, him in the in the bench uh, was not the, the best decision in in the, for Peter Lim in, in Valencia, no, maybe in Neville as well. Uh, he's not prepared to to be like a coach uh, for a club uh, like uh, like a Valencia, and I think that uh, he's, he maybe uh, like a player he he can uh, he can uh, explain to the, the the another players the. the how to do the, the things but not like a, like a coach okay uh, thank you for your time and good luck for the the rest of, of, of the season okay. how do you feel finally when I look at the players Valencia have lost in the last 15 years David Villa uh, David Silva uh, Nicolas Otamendi um, there's so yeah, many maybe Raúl players. Albiol from Napoli Albilea, Jordi yeah. Alba yeah. Uh, Barcelona Cancelo Cancelo um, yeah. Yeah. yeah because uh, Valencia uh, need money no? uh, okay. now with Lima as so, well uh, yeah. Valencia uh, need money and, and this is the, the, the same history uh, all, the, all the seasons at the end of the season Valencia uh, need to sell uh, maybe Rodrigo maybe Condovia yeah. maybe I don't know if Parejo but uh, Valencia uh, will need to sell uh, at the, the end of the season it's as well. quite sad because you're a huge big club yeah yeah maybe uh, Valencia is the the best school of, of Spain maybe yeah. one of the, the best school of Spain maybe. certainly for fullbacks yeah. if you yeah, think yeah, yeah, over yeah. the years you're yeah, like look, a, a Jordi Alba yeah, look, Jordi Alba Juan Bernat is yeah. now in PSG yeah. uh, now Lato Gaia yeah, yeah from the, no no and, and there's more eh, like uh, Cortijo Centelles yeah. Andre Gomez more. is yeah, another yeah. player who you saw Is yeah. Isco was here when he was young, Isco. Yeah, Isco as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, Isco. Isco goes uh, to Malaga from yeah. here, six million to, right. to Malaga. Yeah. I remember. But uh, yeah, Valencia uh, was uh, a, a team that if uh, he not, don't need the, the the money, I think that Valencia now uh, will, will uh, uh, one of the, the best teams, no, in, in Europe with all of the, the stars, no. I think uh, with you, look, no, that David Villa and all the, all of them. Imagine. Yeah, yeah. Imagine. Um, t- t- finally, teach the people in Manchester some Valencian in your language, some phrases in Valencia. In Valencia, Valencia. Yeah. but what, what, what type of phrases? Tell me anything. Okay. Tell, tell us something good in Valenciano. In Valenciano, yeah. okay. Uh, can, uh, I say like a uh, go Manchester United. Yeah. Or, come on, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, puede ser. Eh, vamos Manchester United is like uh, like a Spanish yeah, yeah. and in in Valencian is is uh, like the the same no is uh, okay. eh, vamos eh, Manchester United yeah, vamos. is vamos is, is pero hay same. un frase in Valenciano amunt por ejemplo amunt yeah amunt is like, like a come on yeah come on sí amunt Valencia is like a come on Valencia is the the the, the 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 two words like uh, like to you say to to come support on. Valencia yeah come on is uh, vamos amunt muy bien muchas gracias okay. Still at Mestalla, and with Simon Peach, who's the chief football writer for the Press Association, which means covering Manchester United as opposed to, say, Southampton, who he also happens to support because <laughs> he's from that neck of the woods. Thanks for joining us. What did you think of Manchester United tonight? Dreadful. I think that's a fair, concise opinion. I don't think Jose would veer too far from that either. He gave a lot of players a chance tonight and they didn't take it. Um, 
we expected a lot. I mean, I mean, I like a lot of the players that he brought in, but it's just, there was no coherence. They were disjointed. They, I, I felt for the fans that paid all that money to come over. It's because it's a long way. It was a, we all expected it to be a dead rubber, and obviously it wasn't in the end. And as Jose said in the match, uh, in the post-match press conference, they had to do their fulfil their end of the bargain, and, and they didn't. Were there any redeeming features of that performance tonight? <laughs> uh, I, I didn't see many, uh, apart from the fact that Rashford is, looked very sharp when he came on and Jesse did quite well, but Jose said he didn't learn anything and, and I didn't either, really. I mean, apart from the fact that this team needs a real kick up the backside. It's not isolated up performance, is it? No, no. It's, it's, it just feels like one step forward, two steps back all season and it does kind of feel like it's going to plod on until the end of the campaign until everything is done and dusted and everything's missed out on look it was brought up yesterday with Joe, uh, with Juan Mata in the, in the pre-match press conference that this was very similar to when he won the Champions League with Chelsea a dreadful league campaign saved by the most unlikely of Champions Leagues and I mean that's all United have really got to hope on right now because this is just going one way they have to get in the Champions League next year, either by finishing high enough in the Premier League or by winning the competition. If they yeah. don't, can you see the manager staying? I can't. And uh, you only have to look back at the, his previous his two predecessors because it's not good enough for a club of United standing. Let's look at the finances. That's very obviously very important to the, the powers that be at Man United. That's going to take a, a chunk. It didn't actually take that much money, the Europa League campaign. But it's just not... It doesn't suit the standing of this club. What are the club like to cover on a day-to-day basis? You've covered other clubs. How did it compare? Uh, <laughs> that was a, a side... I didn't expect that question. Uh, it's a challenge. It's always a challenge. Jose Mourinho is the only person I come into a press conference and I have to think of the way I phrase a question, never mind the, the subject matter itself. Obviously, you know that if you do a story, it's got more eyes on it than any other club that you cover in the world. I used to cover Tottenham, and I never used to fret about sourcing a story as much as I do about United. Uh, the club itself are improving in the communication side, and are, and are as helpful as they can be. It's, it's a big machine that they've got to look after, and it's hard to be on top of it. It's hard enough as a journalist, so I can only imagine on the inside, looking after it is a, is a hard thing itself. you covered Southampton, you've covered Tottenham... Southampton were managed by an Argentinian man who's mm. currently the manager of Tottenham Hotspur. What were your dealings with him like? How impressive is he as a person? Um, yeah. I assume you knew him. Yeah, uh, I covered Mauricio when he came in at Southampton uh, at a time when I was also covering Tottenham, so he followed me there. Some would say there's a pattern, uh, and I, for one, wouldn't mind that pattern continuing because he, as a Southampton fan... I've realised now what we had when he's gone because the philosophy, Ronald Koeman did well, but the philosophy went out of the toilet. If you watch this United side, there's no distinct pattern of play or style other than give it to Fellaini if things aren't going too well. So I think he'd be really good at a club like United. Uh, he's engaging, he's warm, but he's also a... Uh, he's an iron fist and a velvet glove. He, you look at the, what happens to players if they cross him, there's, not, there's no second chance. And, Look, I'd love Mourinho to turn things around. I think any United fan would, but it's just at the moment, things just seem to be going on in one direction and it's just a real struggle to watch them. I, I avoid, when I grew up in Southampton, Manchester was this kind of alien place in the north and Old Trafford was this grand stadium that I always wanted to go to because United were the biggest team as much as I didn't like them. And I got to this position where I get to cover them and it's just... I'm, I'm happy I'm getting paid to watch them, put it that way. 
So memories then, growing up as a Southampton fan against Manchester United, because you had the old victories. Yeah, we had an amazing record. I think we had, up until a few years ago, the best, the best record outside the, uh, the top four. Um, but obviously things haven't gone so well the last few years. The 6-3, Egglossons, that was my hero after that, even though he was wrongly denied the hat-trick. Uh, the grey shirt game I don't know if you guys probably remember the second half because yeah. as somebody reminded me recently they five won. hours down to see that game yeah Kevin Davies had her on Sky a few years later yeah. on 1-0 yeah. Dion Dublin's last minute winner on Sky yeah that was before my time so yeah. I don't remember it wasn't before mine it was <laughs> you through the day but what I, I mean, do remember the, is the EFL Cup final and VAR the lack of VAR you played well us. that day we did I think that was the last time we played well actually uh, and the word Bobby Stokes still upsets Manchester United fans of a generation. Yeah, was he offside? Uh, was Mal- was, was Gabbiadini offside? It's a small thing, but we had the bus dressed up and ready to go because I know you guys didn't have a bus parade, but that would have been our second major honour of all time, and that was our <laughs> that was our cup final. I know it's a cliche, that was everything to us, and uh, yeah, sadly that was the last time we did play well. But United haven't played too well recently, so let's focus on you boys. <laughs> Thank you for your time. I'm walking in the rain in Valencia the morning after the game just to get wet on purpose. Been getting away with it. Walking to Valencia's Avi train station as opposed to the Estesio del Nord, which is the old one. The Avi one is the new one, which is... Uh, links up with Spain's brilliant high-speed rail network. And I've just bought Marca to see what they're saying about last night's game. And four, three Manchester United players have got a mark of zero. They mark uh, zero, one, two, three. Three for, for special. And Marcus Rojo, Phil Jones and Romulo Lukaku have not been deemed worthy of a mark. Marcus Rashford uh, and Juan Mata uh, both got two stars and that was about it Spaniards are not impressed by Manchester United and I thought that the Valencian journalist that I spoke to last night who you've just listened to was actually quite generous there's still this perception that United are a great club with great players but the people who listen to this podcast all the time know that the reality is often far from great it's Groundhog Day all the time, a couple of wins, then a defeat. That was United's seventh defeat so far this season. And we're watching a pretty average team. And I'll carry on watching them like most fans. If you have your ups and downs as a football fan, and it still feels a privilege to be in Valencia watching Champions League football. But it also feels we're being shortchanged given how big Manchester United are, how powerful they are how big the wage bill is. I didn't see one United player stop in the mix zone last night. And that's me working as a, as a journalist and a United fan and you want to put questions to the players and look for positives. And when the team loses, they're less inclined to stop. But it still leaves a sore taste. One of the security lads walked past or waved at the journalist as though there were a bunch of fucking knobheads and usher him the players onto the pitch. Well, I'm not a knobhead. I'm a Manchester United fan and I'm a journalist and I take my job seriously. But there's definitely a disconnect between this current team of players. From their perspective, if I'm trying to be fair, they probably don't want to say anything to the media. They know they're not performing. They know they can't be truthful. They 
know that anything they say is going to be twisted in an environment where people sense blood, people want the manager to be sacked. It's the opposite of a happy environment at a football club. The team are really underachieving, but it still baffles when players get a chance. And I think Jose Mourinho was baffled as well. And they performed so badly. So, without singling players out, let's look at someone like Fred. 52 million quid. He didn't set the price. He's a nice lad. But as he's shown, he's a 52 million pound footballer. He's even shown he's a 5 million pound footballer so far this season. Nah. Not even close. And it's another... It's not isolated, because sometimes... Players just don't work out. Even in United's greatest moments, players have just not worked out. But it's not a minority here. The majority of players who come to the club are not working out. And they're being paid top dollar. The transfer fees are often top dollar as well. And it's the same trend of inconsistency. So Marcus Rojo, Rojo terrible last night, terrible. And just beyond bad, just absolutely fucking dreadful. And was taken off now. He'd be injured. And there are lots of other players who play well one week and then are anonymous for two weeks. And Ferguson always said to be winning games and to be winning trophies. You need eight of your players to be doing well. United is just not getting that. Not getting close to that. And... The end result is a team which, going into Sunday's game at Liverpool, is 16 points behind Liverpool uh, after 16 games. So, whatever anyone says, that is the reality. Three months into this season, that is a huge gap. And this is Liverpool. This is not a Liverpool team, Liverpool club, who are backed by, effectively, a sovereign wealth fund like Manchester City or a Russian oligarch like Chelsea. This is a Liverpool club who fell way behind Manchester United in the 1990s, who still lag a long way behind in terms of revenue, in terms of failing to uh, maximise their commercial appeal. And they are a huge club. I hope you can hear this as the train goes past and a drill starts. Well, this is real life podcasting if you want to prefer me to do stuff in my bedroom then I'm happy to do that as well but we do try and go to the games and try to bring you the warts on all of what it's like being a Manchester United fan and following this team we've had some great moments some life defining experiences and forever be, be thankful for that and even now in Valencia with a drill going off in my head I can think of worse places to be than getting wet but the team is still falling well short. It must improve. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to have this groundhog day that I'm talking about going round and round and round. But the team's falling well short. And it's very, very, very frustrating. Especially because Manchester United, main rivals, Manchester City and Liverpool are doing so well. So the next game's at Anfield, where we're bringing you a podcast. We're also working hard on the new United We Stand magazine, which is out on Boxing Day at Old Trafford. And what we're going to do is, if you'd like to buy someone a mag for Christmas present, 
a subscription, a tennis shoe subscription, what we'll do, say you buy, buy your dad one or your brother one, we'll send a letter with it saying, dear Tom, or whatever his name is, or her name, uh, this is the first of ten issues of United We Stand, and it's a present from whoever. So, if you like what we do, please support what we do. I know you listen to these podcasts for free, but we cannot produce the mag for free. We've put hundreds of hours in to making sure that Manchester United fans receive independent and well-informed and well-sourced information about the club. And we're only sorry so much of it is negative at this moment. Until the next podcast, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet. We offer the best available odds on a United win as well as a host of special bets created by Red. With half our net profits being donated to United supporters groups, Red Army Bet is about fans, by fans, for fans. Check out our website, redarmybet.com or download the app. Red Army Bet, we all follow United.